Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Pole Position Podcast, here is the problem. At the end of every podcast, we restore your faith in humanity. And on this edition, as I'm speaking right now, I'm not convinced. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That I won't cry because this edition of Restore Your Faith in Humanity, it's so good, I might cry. We'll find out together in mere minutes. Will I cry? I got to tell you, we're coming in strong. We're coming in hot in the chat. You can, of course, always watch us do the podcast live. Twitch.tv slash Frubar. Lachine Bro is here. Drew is here. Great Pacer. Joey, Brian, Craig, Sir CDG. Oh, my Lord. There's just more and more people hopping in the chat. That is great. That's what we love. Interactive when we do the podcast and crazy silliness. I mentioned the Restore Your Faith in Humanity. I might cry. And as I was putting it in my notes, I thought to myself, what is the chat going to say once I'm done? Like, if I cry, they'll say one thing. If I don't cry you know they're going to have some sort of smart assery to share. And if they don't, that means they're crying. So we're going to find out. Chris here as well uh, in the chat. Appreciate you all being here in the stream. Let's get to it. This throwing rocks at politicians. Did no one have a mother or father that taught them how to act in public? Throwing rocks at politicians? That's something you do in your mind. That's something when you're frustrated and you're like, oh, those taxes I'm paying and those politicians, I'd throw rocks at them. That's something you might even say if you're playing poker, but it's not something you actually do unless you're a colossal asshole. Because whether you like the politicians or you don't like the politicians, I don't even know if that matters. What matters is to be civilized and to have a democracy and to have a process where politicians can share their views and people can listen and consume them and then decide who they vote for in order to have all that you can't have the assholery you just can't so we know that the rocks were thrown at the uh prime minister these protesters very unhappy now 
now that I've said that, I feel that I have to point something out. And you can agree or disagree with me on this. Chat, you tell me if you think I'm insane. Maybe it's because I've been in this business for a long time. Maybe it's because I understand there are spin doctors. Maybe it's because I know that there are war rooms where there are people, their jobs are to sway the voters to buy into a certain thing. So they, they suggest stunts so that if this happens, more people will listen. If that happens, this newspaper will do an article. If this happens, the radio host will be angry on the radio. They plant things. You can't tell me it doesn't happen. It does. There are many spin doctors on every single political campaign, no matter which party it is, and really no matter which country you live in. So I ask this question. I find it extremely odd, number one, that the Liberal Party is allowed to have their campaign events in places where the protesters get so close. I think that's kind of weird, especially because it's the prime minister. I don't, I don't know if you've ever had an issue, an interaction with the prime minister in the sense that uh, there's an interview or maybe, you know, he's coming by your place of business or, or whatever. And certainly compared to many countries, our prime minister roams around pretty free compared to others, right? Compared to the president of the United States, uh, when the prime minister rolls around, the RCMP do do a sweep and they do their di- due diligence to make sure he's safe. But it's not the same as when POTUS is rolling in. It's just not. And I, I've been at radio stations where the prime minister's coming in and a few days before he's supposed to come in, the RCMP come, they talk to everybody, they make sure everybody's legit, uh, they do a quick sweep of the building, like all that stuff that you would expect. You've seen it in the movies, you would expect to have happened. That's what happens. So that's why I find it hard to believe that when the prime minister's doing an event and he's walking from place A to place B, that the RCMP are like, no, 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 there's protesters that way. We're going out this other way. Like, I remember when Jean Chrétien was prime minister, I had a group of kids at Queen's Park. We, we had done this big radio promotion where we took kids from Chatham, Ontario to Ottawa so they could see the Parliament buildings, which if you grow up in Chatham, Ontario, you're heavily influenced by the United States because Detroit's banging on your door. So this was a big deal for them to get away from the American influence and drive right across Ontario and go to the Parliament Hill. So we did that tour. On the way back, we just said, hey, let's stop and we'll show the kids Queen's Park. We were teaching them tons of stuff. And we just happened to be at Queen's Park when the Prime Minister was visiting. And we were standing outside as a school class. And three guys from the RCMP rolled up to me and they said, hey, Prime Minister is going to come out here in a few moments. Um, If you'd like, he he wouldn't mind taking some pictures with the kids. Uh, But we need you to stand over here. Uh, We need to take down some information. Like they were they were very thorough, even saying, look, he's going to come out. And if he wants to do it, he'll come over. If not, you know, it's up to him. And he was great. He came over and he took pictures with the kids and the kids loved it. Uh, no Schwinnigan handshakes for those kids. No, they were all well behaved. <laughs> I still love, that's one of the things I loved about Jean Chrétien. Like when he took that protester, I, I was all for that, right? Like if Trudeau had picked up a rock and threw it back, I'd be okay with that. I would. 
But here's the thing. If the RCMP are doing their job, which I suspect they are, how is this happening? I suspect it's happening because the campaign office, like the guys in charge of the campaign, they're telling the RCMP what's going to happen. This leads me to my point. Does anyone else think the liberals are doing pretty crap in the polls? The liberals need some sort of moment that gets the country back on the prime minister's side. Does anyone think this could be a setup? I only say it because I haven't seen anyone arrested. I haven't seen anyone arrested. Like, you would think if someone was throwing rocks at the prime minister, the next scene you'd see is RCMP officers collapsing on that yeehaw and taking them down to Chinatown. No, we're not seeing that. You would think the next event would be locked down. No, we're not seeing that. You know what else we're not seeing? We're, We're not seeing it happen at... Jugmeet Singh's parties. We're not seeing it happen at Aaron O'Toole's parties. And look, it's not there's craziness going on at Maxine Bernier's parties, but it's a different kind of crazy. And as for the Green Party, they're just by themselves. There's like three people in a an iPod. That's it. So I just wonder if some of it is a setup to get to get some plus and publicity and to give the prime minister, you know, that opportunity to have an edge and say, we're not going to take this. We're fighting for you. Like, I don't know. And I hate to think that. I hate to think that. I say it because I've seen it happen so many other times. There are movies about spin doctors. There are people that if you, if you listen to them interviewed, what's that guy's name in the States? A Roger, um, he, he was, you know, in trouble with Trump. He was, uh, what's the guy's name? Roger, somebody tell me. Roger, Roger, whatever. Roger's name is, uh, I want to say it's Ailes, but it's not Ailes. It's Roger, um, it'll come to me in a moment. But R- Roger, he's a guy that's been spin-doctoring politicians for years. I'm sure a guy like Warren Kinsella in on in Canada would say, yeah, we spindered, we've spin-doctored some stuff. In the last election, Warren was hired to make Maxine Bernier look like a racist. Like he was told that that's his job. So I think when I see this stuff, because I'm not seeing the RCMP doing crazy things like arresting and people on TV who they got, and maybe it's been Roger Stone. Thank you very much, Chris. Uh, Roger Stone. If you ever go on Netflix, watch the Roger Stone documentary about this guy and his political history of spin doctoring. It's it's un, it's unbelievable. It's interesting, but also unbelievable. So when I started to see that, I was worried and I was angry and I was like, this is bull. This isn't how it should be. And James Carville is another good example. Thank you, ex-Stormtrooper. You know, this is how it shouldn't be an election. We got to be civilized. And I was getting angry. And then I thought, wait a minute. Hang on, how are these protesters getting so close? How come the RCMP aren't everywhere? What's going on? And then, of course, Conspiracy John John over here started to say, is this a spin doctor's work? Trying to get everyone on Trudeau's side? Because, I don't know. I throw it out there. I throw it out there for you to decide. I have no proof. I just know from having been in the biz long enough that crazy things like this happen. And... 
it's not worth that. It's not, it's not a crazy idea to just ask the question. I would like to, if it is in fact real, arrests should be made, books should be thrown at, nonsense should be squashed. Prime Minister should be protected and respected, whether you want to vote for him or not, that's fine, but should be respected, his safety, his staff safety, everyone's safety should be respected, 100%. If there is spin doctoring, that should also be a problem. I throw that out there. Again, maybe. Chad, am I insane for asking that question? Have I finally lost my mind? Because it's possible. It's possible I've lost my mind. <laughs> huh. All right. So I originally read this. And I immediately thought, you know what? This study proves we are at a point in time where there's just, just, there's just too many a-holes. And then I reread it. And realized, uh, I read it wrong. Uh, This survey shows that 29% of people have had something stolen by a porch pirate. Meaning, uh, they had something delivered from an Amazon or somewhere else. And it was left out their front door and someone swiped it. When I first read that, I thought it said 29% of people have stolen something from someone's porch. I was like... Come on, there's that many assholes now? But no, three in 10 of us say that we've been a victim of porch pirates. Uh, Nearly half of all the victims never get a refund either for their stolen merchandise. And it turns out that 29% of those that have had a package stolen live in urban areas and apartment buildings. Now, see, that's where I'm lucky because they roll up here, they throw stuff on my porch. You're not getting up to my place. It ain't happening. You're not swiping something without, you know, a dog going after you and or people saying, what are you doing here? I got seven guards at the gate that doesn't exist. (laughs) That's the beauty of living out in the boons. But if you're living in the urban areas, the porch pirates are active. At the moment, the average person has three packages swiped from the residents. So if it hasn't happened to you yet, it could. Fair warning. 17 million packages are stolen or lost in the mail every day. Not 17, 1.7 million. Sorry. (laughs) Still a lot, though. Still a lot. 1.7 million. Uh, The average stuff that is stolen is valued at 106 bucks, so it's not that cheap. One in five consumers report that their stolen items, uh, things like books, toys, games, health, and personal care, which of course is exactly what they'd say when they said their stuff was stolen. We know the reality is most of it is probably, you know, the stuff that will send you an unmarked package. No one will ever know what's in the box. What do you mean your stuff was stolen? Uh, Well, officer, um, it it shows that it was delivered, but... it's not here. Uh, can I ask uh, what was in the box? Oh, um, healthcare products. Oh no, no, it was books, toys, games. <sighs> Bottom line: it take care of your stuff. Take care of your stuff. Get a better thing when people deliver stuff. Find somebody next door that's at home all day. Some old timer. It'll grab your stuff, keep it in the garage till you get home. Something like that. Drew brings up a good point in the chat. Drew says, I got busted when I was 12 for throwing snowballs at a cop car. 
that's what I'm saying. Because I remember for me and my friends, we, we didn't, we got a talking to for throwing eggs at cars. And I didn't throw an egg at the president or snowball at the prime minister. So if they, if they found me and my buddies, you, you know, they'd find the guy selling, throwing a rock at the prime minister. No, it's my point. Thank you, Drew. By the way, Drew, don't, don't throw snowballs at cars. It's not, especially cop cars. I was uh, reading through Dear Amy, because you know every once in a while we do our uh, advice segment here. A word of advice. A word of advice. And I didn't want to put this one in the segment, which we'll do later this week. I just thought it was it was interesting. So this this woman writes Dear Amy, and she says, I'm a woman in my 30s, and I received a Facebook message from my 8th grade teacher. He said he wanted to say hello and reconnect. He even mentioned meeting up to give me one of my papers that he still has. When I was in class, I really liked him. He was fun, smart, and he made school interesting. All the kids liked him. As an adult, however, I look back on that year and I feel unsettled. Mr. K would often comment on my looks and how he liked my hairstyle. He would drop by my house unannounced and bring me books. And once on a school-related outing, he drove me and a few other students to his home to give us a tour of his house. (laughs) I'm sorry, what? Like, so far, I was like, hey, you know, old-timers, you know, reconnecting with students, found a paper for somebody, thought it'd be cool that they have it. I didn't have any problems with that. But you're feeling unsettled. I'm feeling... What teacher says, hey, let's swing by my house so I can give you a tour? Red flags everywhere on that one. Please. Uh, Nothing inappropriate occurred, but looking back, I see none of it was appropriate either. Do I ignore this message? Do I respond and let him know that in hindsight, he comes, hindsight, he comes off as a bit of a creep? This is a fair question, right? Because A, you could reply to the teacher who you genuinely like and say, look, uh, I'm just going to let you know I enjoyed your class. It was great, but I don't need the paperback. All the best. Wish you nothing but the best. Uh, you know, see you in the obits. You could say something like that. Uh, you could if you want the paper, like if you really want it, you could find it and roll up there and I guess pick up the paper. I don't know that you need to necessarily tell the guy he's he's creepy or not. Because there is a chance that he, he's just a, you know, he's just a nice dude and he's lonely if he lives alone. And, you know, there are a lot of teachers that really did like their kids and their kids in their classes kind of became like extended family and they think about them and they wish them well. So there could, you know, it just might be a little bit odd, not necessarily creepy. Like you said, he didn't do anything inappropriate. This is what I would say. I would just send back a really nice message. Say, hey, man, I really loved your classes. I want you to know I've become successful in life. That's in part to you. Thanks very much. But I've moved on with life. I don't need the paperback. I appreciate you, uh, you keeping it and uh, all the best. Let me know if you need anything. Yada, yada. Uh, I'm out. That's what I would do. I wouldn't, I wouldn't get involved. <laughs> uh, I do like that line. This actually, Craig, this could be your new, uh, when you get, Craig got kicked off of Twitter for being a troll. But when you go back, Craig, and you create a new Twitter account, this should be your new line underneath your tagline. Like in that summary part where you put a little description about yourself, you you could say like Craig the Troll, uh, not completely inappropriate, 
but not entirely appropriate either. That could be your line. That's actually a pretty good line. <laughs> not completely inappropriate, but not entirely appropriate either. That would be perfect. That line is perfect for you. Perfect. The world is strange and weird. Now, sometimes we, we read these stories or we share conversation, uh, things that are going on, and, and we always end up with the conclusion that the, weird is, the world is just kind of weird, right? Th- this is actually a thing. This isn't like somebody who got, you know, one too many drinks and then did something dumb. Th- this is an actual thing in San Francisco. In San Francisco, like a real city, a major market, in San Francisco, they are going to start paying criminals 300 a month to not shoot people. How does that work? Um, excuse me, dude. Uh, I see you have a gun there. Um, I, think, I know you're thinking about shooting some people. What if we peeled off 300 a month for you and in return, you don't shoot anybody? Okay. How does that work? Uh, the city's Dream Keeper Fellowship will give monthly gift cards to 10 people deemed to be a high risk of gun crime. And if they refrain from taking part in the surge of shootings, they will get 300 a month for staying out of trouble. Those in the pilot program might even make an extra 200 bones if they meet other benchmarks like attending parole appointments and finding a job. So hold up just a minute. You're now going to pay a dude that is notorious for being a, a little dirtbaggish, like kind of dirtbaggish, kind of dirtbaggish, shooting people. He's got a parole officer, which means something bad happened. He was in jail. And when he comes out, he's supposed to go see that parole officer. Like, that's part of the deal. You're going to give that dude 500 to do what he's supposed to do and find a job. And you're going to try and look me straight in the eyes right now and tell me the world's not fucked up? This is craziness. (laughs) I'll take 300 a month not to shoot someone. Anyone? (laughs) Like, the only way you qualify for this program is by being a dirtbag. It's kind of dirtbaggish. Have we lost our minds? <laughs> uh, they want to get it up to 75 people a year. Uh, they're going to invest $120 million in the city's uh, communities. Uh, this is all funded by taxpayers. And it's also funded by uh, private donations as well and a federal grant. Uh, The program was inspired by one run in California in 2016. Studies have shown that it reduced gun crime by up to 70%. Now, interesting thing about math. If if paying the guys $300 a month stops the gun crime by 70%, isn't the answer keep them in jail? (laughs) Isn't that the answer? hey, we know these guys are going to shoot someone so we can either put them away when they do or pay them not to do it. I don't even even know what to say. What if we pay people 300 a month not to cheat on their taxes? Where does it begin and where does it end? 
as I said, the world's gone crazy. The world's gone crazy. There's, there's absolutely no making sense of this. This story is going to have you saying two things. Two things. Not Florida. Question mark. Not Florida. Question mark. I know you're going to want to say this is Florida, but it's not. This guy severed off his penis and threw it out of his car window. And then he claimed voices on the radio told him it would save the world. Tyson Gilbert, he's 39. He was on a uh, police chase. And um, the state trooper was the first one to notice that he had kind of mutilated himself there a bit. He saw the man was driving naked and covered in blood. When he was stopped by the cops, he managed to, uh, they boxed him in on the highway before he got on the interstate. And then he, they, as they rolled up, he said he cut off his penis because he heard voices uh, saying it would, it would save the world. He was gone back to the medical university there. They took him there. Uh, they're not sure if they retrieved or reattached the penis. Investigation ongoing. This guy had active warrants against him. If only they'd paid him 300 not to slice off his penis. But, again, not Florida. You want it to be in Florida. I know deep down you want it to be in Florida. No, Tennessee. But he was driving. Maybe he was driving towards Florida. It's possible. Got to think about this guy, though. He's probably a little cuckoo bananas. I think that probably goes without saying. There's a little cuckoo banana-ish going on there. But he did cut off his own penis to save the world. Imagine this. You're rolling down the highway. Voice comes on the radio. Hey, I know you're stuck in traffic. But I gotta tell you right now, if you don't cut off your penis, the world's gonna end. I think most of us call the bluff, right? Most of us are like, yeah, I'll take my chances. Right? This guy, no. He is a hero. He is a hero. He basically cut off the most important part of his body, you could argue, to save the rest of us. So while we are right to laugh at him and question what the hell, wonder why he's not in Florida, he's a hero. Real American hero right there. (laughs) As we go through this pandemic, we know in Quebec, we know in Ontario, other provinces, even in the United States, what is the big conversation about COVID right now? It's, It's the vaccination passports. I share this story with you because I think it's one that many businesses will feel the same about. So there's this guy, he owns a bar in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. And he says, look, I'm drawing the line. I'm drawing the line. Uh, We've been through the whole pandemic. The guy owns a bar called uh, uh, Koch's Corner. The guy's name is Paul Koch Mingo. So Koch is up there in Sault Ste. Marie, and he's like, look, I've been through this whole pandemic. I've gone through every protocol, and I know everybody's business in this thing has been on the line at some point, but at the same time, I think think we got to say enough is enough, and that's where I'm at. 
that's where I, he is at enough is enough. He's not taking anymore. And he's drawing the line at the vaccine passports. He says, look, I'm not too, I'm not going to enforce this if they expect me to. And if they force me to enforce vaccine passports, I will just close my restaurant, my bar, and I'll just go get another job because I don't believe I should be the one enforcing this. I don't think that's fair. And I think that is certainly a a challenge that the governments all have, which is the concept of having a vaccine passport where you can go see a football game, go see a hockey game, concert, go into a bar, go into a restaurant, as long as you got your two jabs. On the high level, that makes sense. Like many of us go, yeah, okay, I can understand. We're in a pandemic. I'll do what it has to take to do. I'll do what I have to do. And it seems easy. But we forget the part where someone has to be the cop of this. And when you put that person who's already been through so much in this pandemic, now in the position to have to really like the people that aren't going to be happy about this are not going to be happy about it. They're going to be vocal and they're going to be all a hole ish. And why do you need that in your day? That kind of tension. I know we had a conversation here about the hockey rink because in Ontario, you're not going to be able to go into a hockey rink unless you're double vaxxed. But at this point, hockey has not said you need to be double vaxxed to play hockey. And they maybe never will because they don't need to, right? Because they're just going to ride the coattails of the government, which is the safe thing for them to do because they don't become the boogeyman or the bad person. But the question is, who polices that? You know, think of your average hockey arena owned by a, like a small town or, or a little community or whatever. Do they pay someone now 15 hours a day to just sit there and check passports? Is it the honor system? Is it the person that rents the ice that has to have it? Like, it's, there's so much vagueness to this that I can understand this guy who's been running a business, been getting kicked in the teeth, going through it and basically just saying, you know what? I, I want to be part of the solution. I want to help, but I don't want to put my friend, my friends who are my staff on the line. I don't want to get into these arguments. I just want to serve some beer, some wings and let people watch some sports on TV and move on with my day. So I think we're going to see more of this where there's a pushback, not because the people disagree with it, just because they're like, I don't want to do the work. I don't want to do the work. I don't want to put people in that position. We, we had the exact same discussion in my company because I said, look, the idea of having being double vaccinated, it's fine with me. I buy into it. I get it. That's the side I'm on. But I respect people that don't agree with me. And I don't feel that I should force my wills onto them because that's we live in Canada. So I've basically said, look, until the government tells me I have to do it, I'm not doing it. That said, I've spent a lot of time understanding it. And the reason that we need to have these vaccine passports, in theory, is this. Those that are unvaccinated have a higher risk of catching COVID and the subsequent variants of COVID. They carry a higher load count of the virus compared to someone with two vaccinations. 
We're creating these situations to get back to normal that are considered high risk. We know that being indoors is higher risk than being outdoors. We know that having more people than less people is a higher risk. We know that being inside a building with 20,000 people watching a hockey game is higher risk than not allowing people in the arena. We all know that. We don't have to be uh, biostatisticians or epidemiologists or whatever the hell they're called. I can't believe I can't say it now, but I'm not even going to try because the chat will make fun of me. You know what I'm saying? We don't have to be scientists. We can just use our brains. So what the government's saying is, look, we know we're going to have these high-risk situations. We want to have high-risk situations because we want people to get back to life. So let's try and make them as low-risk as possible. So how do we do that? Well, we keep the people who are the high-risk away from the high-risk situations. That doesn't not make sense. It makes sense. It, I don't know if it's fair. Nor do I know if it's legal when it comes to human rights and that, because I've heard both sides from different lawyers that argue that it is and it isn't. And I don't know which lawyery, lawyer is more lawyery. But I think the reality is the Vax passports give people more security. It gives people more comfort. I've said it before. I'm not totally in on it because of my nature of me, which is, I don't want to have to carry one more thing with me. There are places I go where I don't take my phone and everyone's like, just have it on your phone. That makes sense to me, except I go places without my phone. <laughs> so I don't want to have to go, like, that's what I dislike about a mask. I'm not against a mask. I'm not even against the passports. I'm against me having to remember more shit when I go out. It's like, it was fine when I had kids. Like, remember what it was like when you had kids, like babies? You had to, you had to get the stroller and the, the diaper bag and the toys and the snacks. Like, you, no matter where you were going, you had to load up the car. It was, it was like a pain in the butt. I'm old enough now. I don't have to do any of that stuff. I don't want to load things into my car to have to remember. What I'm saying is I am lazy and I just want everyone to trust me. That's what I want. That's what's in it for me. Ex-Stormtrooper says, I'm all for Vax passports. However, the rollout is absurd. It will fail. I've come to realize a lot of people don't read up and get their info from, or don't read up and they get their info from Facebook. We're doomed. That is well said. And that is part of the problem. So, I don't know. I don't know. But I see over the weekend, if you see these football uh, games in the States, the, the one from Virginia where they play Enter Sandman, just go online and look that up. <laughs> we, are, we are living in the world of contradiction right now because you'll, you, you can literally watch the news in the states where it's like, hey, COVID numbers are at the highest they've ever been, like blah, 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 blah. And then the next one is, hey, check out everyone at the football game. And you're like, it's, it's almost like no one gives a shit. Like, there's going on. Meanwhile, in Canada, we've got our CFL where most stadiums, you got, they're at half capacity which is, they're normally at half capacity anyway because CFL. <laughs> um, but you have to be double shot to get in and all that kind of stuff. So I, I think, I think the, the concept is fine. I think Stormtrooper's right when he says, hey, look, I think the rollout might be failed, which, look, the government's part of it, so it's going to be failed on some degree. But I just don't have to carry more stuff. I just want people to know, like... This is going to sound terrible, but can I just get like a, a tattoo or something on me that people know I'm, I'm vaxxed up and I just, you know, roll up my like something? I don't know. I just don't want to. I'm too lazy. I'm too lazy. Talk about commitment. This is commitment. You think about what it takes 
to uh, you know stay married or uh, you know accelerate your career it takes commitment, right? Well, strangely, when things go wrong, sometimes things can go wrong. Someone can do something that is even horrifying, but if you step outside of the act and you just look what they did, you can kind of go, hey, at least they were committed. Case in point, this guy from Japan, underwear thief. This guy was arrested in Japan for stealing 730 bras and panties. That's commitment. <laughs> that's a lot. That's, like, that's an unbelievable amount. Uh, this dude, uh, Tetsuo, he's 56, busted last week when they found a huge staff of female underwear in his apartment. Uh, the extent of his underwear obsession was clear. Uh, the cops released an image showing the in- entirety of his 730-piece collection in his home. Cops were alerted when a 20-year-old college student uh, watched the guy steal six pairs of her underwear on a laundromat. So this guy's been rolling up to laundromats, obviously, for years, swiping underwear at the laundromat. It's creepy as hell. I'm glad he got caught. But again, this is the thing about those that break the law. We see it a lot with cartel, right? You see these documentaries about the drug guys and they have so much money. They're like buying a house and filling the walls with the money or they're digging random holes and putting barrels of money in the ground because they have so much money. They they can't do anything with it. And most of us would say, dude, if you have that much money, why don't you just stop? You've already you're good, right? They never do. They got to keep going on. Same with this guy. Like after after successfully stealing like a hundred bras or panties, you think you'd go, dude, like you have enough. No, you need it more. <laughs> uh, they haven't confiscated such a large number of panties in years. That's what the cops said. We haven't confiscated such a large num- number of panties in years. Uh, it's unclear how many laundry mats this guy has been going and how long he's been doing it. Uh, but they have them all. Like the cops then had to bag and tag the 730 uh, different underwear pieces for evidence. <laughs> there were actually 1,400 when they started, but some of the cops swiped some of them. <laughs> Look. The guy's not right. Everything he knew was wrong, but he was committed to his craft. You, you have to at least give him that, that he was, he was committed to his craft. Right? Big news no? coming soon. Great news. In other news. Oh, in other news. In other news. All right, in other news, stories you can share with your family and friends. Tell them you listen to the Pole Position podcast. You download it on Apple, Spotify, Google, all that stuff. Anywhere you do it. The download and the iHeartRadio, we gotcha. Tell them to watch twitch.tv slash fruitbar. If you are an Amazon Prime subscriber, meaning you get the delivery, you get the movies, the TV channels, that means you have a free Twitch subscription. And if you go to our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash fruitbar, and you hit the subscribe button, 20 seconds later, you link that to your Amazon account, boom. Uh, you get a subscription to the channel, which helps support the podcast and our streaming, and it's our, you've already paid for it. You get nothing. If you'd like to subscribe to the podcast and the stream, that's cool too. Right now, 20% off subscriptions, twitch.tv slash fruitbar. So, in other news, we start with our man David Spade. David Spade 
is worried about the cancel warriors coming after him. You would think any comedian that's been around since the 90s probably fears that somewhere in their archive of jokes, VHS stand-up specials, there probably is something that might get them canceled. David Spade says he is worried about being canceled for some of his off-color humor. He says he may turn into Marlon Blando. Like, I try, I try to do stuff that's a little rougher on the edges. That's the whole idea. And then if someone picks it up, I guess I just cross my fingers and say, it's under the guise of comedy. I, I'm, I'm pulling from the same seven jokes we're all allowed to use. I just turn into Marlon Blando. I mean, that's what they want. I quite like David Spade and some of his uh, earlier comedy was very good. He does one one bit where he talks about going to a Leonard Skinner concert, uh, which is great because he's like, you know, they play every song and every so- after every song, everyone just screams, play Free Blurred because his theory is Leonard Skinner has two songs, Free Bird and not Free Bird. <laughs> I like David Spade. I also like when he gives it to... Uh, Famous people. He was always very good at that on Saturday Night Live. He says he's got a lot of respect for comics who still are brave enough to push that envelope. They don't want you to shake the tree, and I like guys that are still doing it, and some people are just grandfathered in, and they get to do it. So I'm glad there's comics still doing it. I agree. I watched on the weekend. Have you seen this guy, Anthony Jeselnik? If If you're not familiar with Anthony Jeselnik, he hosted... The uh, comedy America's Got Talent show. I can't last comic standing. He hosted that when Norm Macdonald was a judge. He, he's had a bunch of shows on Comedy Central. And Anthony Jeselnik is basically famous for making you feel uncomfortable. He he basically says like when I, he goes on stage. He, he has this belief that instead of making you want to love him, he wants to make you hate him but still laugh because he feels that's when he wins. Anthony Jeselnik. He has one special and it's on Netflix. There's two on Netflix. One's called something about uh, the maternity ward. It's not bad. And then he's got another one called thoughts and prayers. Very funny stuff and definitely crosses the line. He does a, he does a joke about Eric Clapton's son who fell out the window. You remember that song? It inspired the song Tears in Heaven, which, of course, was a huge hit for Eric Clapton in the 90s. He does a joke about that, that you're laughing. And at the same time you're laughing, you're thinking, I'm going to hell because I'm laughing at this joke. I also like how he basically doesn't care about the audience because he comes out on stage and he'll say something like, Hey, I love being in the city because there's there's just so many beautiful women in the city and everyone applauds. And then he goes, too bad they're not here tonight. <laughs> like he just he literally just shits on his audience. It's it's great. Anthony Jeselnik, uh, he is someone that is uh, pushing the boundaries. Now another comedian that has had some issues over the years is Howie Mandel. Howie Mandel is opening up about how he is such a germphobe. It's almost ruined his marriage. He's been such a huge germaphobe. He says it got magnified during the pandemic to the point where his wife of over 40 years finally had almost had enough. 
it was so freaky for me so hard and then this broke out and it, it's just really hard and obviously as I've been open about my mental health the thing that drove me to go getting help was an ultimatum that I once got from my wife who said you either go get help or that's it you know she threatened to to leave and uh, I went and got help and I'm still here if you've ever heard how he talk about his uh, germophobeness I don't know how the guy gets through a day I really don't. It's 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 really insane. He was very open about how much he's been struggling with his mental health lately as well. This is uh, a nightmare and still is for me. This is really hard. After this, I will roll up in a little ball in the fetal position in the corner of my room. It's really hard. I've moved my therapist into a whole new tax bracket. I've upped my meds. <laughs> Honestly, I'm I'm really down and I'm teetering right now as we speak on uh, depression. And, you know, I, I have a smile and I get to do wonderful things and I have an amazing life, but I'm not going to lie to you. This is really crazy hard. I think that's a, a great admission by Howie Mandel. Over the weekend, I think it was on my Twitter account, someone uh, tweeted at me and they shared a picture. And the picture was Robin Williams and Kurt Cobain and uh, Chris... The guy from, um, what's the name of that band? Uh, Chris Cornell. Can't believe I didn't remember that. But like all famous people that, you know, had committed suicide uh, because they battled depression. And all the pictures were them smiling and laughing. And they said, you know, these aren't the people you would expect that this would happen to. And I, I looked at that picture. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's just like how he said, I'm having fun during an interview. I'm making everyone laugh. But as soon as it's done, I'm going to go curl up in a ball. Uh, and I bring this up because I think there are many people like Howie Mandel that feel this way, but they don't get the luxury of being Howie Mandel or having the lifestyle that Howie Mandel has. Like he can afford to curl up in a ball and it doesn't change his life. He still makes a gazillion dollars a year. The problem is if you're just average Joe and Jill like we are, uh, it slows you right down and it can it can really drastically impact your life uh, negatively beyond just how you're you're feeling. So I bring this up because there's probably someone in all of our lives uh, that feels the same way as Howie Mandel. And if there's something you can do just by asking if they're OK, checking in on them. Right. We all have that friend we know is a bit borderline, even in good times. Just give them a call. Give her a call. Check in on them. See how they're doing. Because as I understand it from people I know that, 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 you know, kind of battle through this, sometimes that check-in is the one thing they need that just flicks the switch back on for them. And it's, it doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't cost me anything. It's just a, just being a nice, considered human being. So in Miami, this guy, <laughs> this, uh, Sunday morning, this guy is going through the drive through at Dunkin' Donuts. He's picking up pastries for his church congregation. As he began to drive away, he realized the cashier forgot to give him a bag. So he backed up to talk to her. He misjudged the distance, and then he, he backed through the store's window and smashed it. I don't know if he was angry, but he was just trying to get his order right, which this shows you, like if you work in the fast food, how important it is that you get the orders right. Because you don't know this. You work in fast food. Let me tell you something. If you work in fast food, you need to understand something. Underneath that big glowing sign 
you have, whether it's a McDonald's or Tim Hortons, doesn't matter, whatever brand it is, you have a big sign at the road. You have to understand that when the average consumer is in the proximity of the parking lot of that sign and or sees that sign, they immediately become an idiot. So all of the common sense they have is now gone out of the window because all they're thinking about is, is the stuff they're going to buy from you. So when it's not right, they, they can't do the normal thing, which is to actually look around and make sure everyone's safe. No, they do the dumb thing and they drive through your window, <laughs> which goes to point out it's important you check those orders. Anyway, this guy says uh, he was at an awkward angle and he, 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 he misjudged the distance. It was a freak accident. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked to the way it happened. I just reversed for just a second. Bam! I had the glass just shattered. I had a screaming. No one was hurt in the crash and his car sustained only minor damage. But the Duncan is closed until a technician can come fix the glass. I think he misunderstood America runs on Duncan. He thought it said Americans run into Duncan. It's not the same. Uh, luckily, no one was hurt, but the Duncan had to close till they got the uh, the glass all fixed up. The good news is uh, one customer who was quite put out and inconvenienced, uh, he, he got at least interviewed by the TV news. I think it's reckless. And as a result, I now have to go find another Duncan and get to work in 20 minutes. <laughs> Dude, you don't have to find another Duncan. You could just go and be on time at work. Like, in seriousness, that's a choice that you could make. <laughs> like the guy, the, the guy, he doesn't have time to deal with the guy smashing up the Dunkin' Donuts, but oddly, he does have enough time to interview with the TV news. Uh, again, this these are the life choices people make. It's like no one understands good adult choices anymore. Like No one wants to make responsible adult choices anymore. No, this guy's going to bitch and complain that the guy smashed up the Duncan and then say that's why he's late for work. All right. In uh, Norwalk, Ohio, a 31-year-old guy named Jonathan George, he called 911 to report that his dog, are you buying this? Listen to it. His dog was bringing him his gun when the dog accidentally shot himself in the face. He let them inside the house, said his dog had shot itself and that he had trained the dog to bring a gun to him. The dog had his, the gun in his mouth and it went off accidentally. The officers didn't believe this story. Where, where do we begin? Where do we even begin? Why the fuck are you teaching your dog to carry a gun in its mouth? You're an idiot. Like, where is the book? Let's throw it at this guy. The animal lost an eye in the incident, but he's on the mend. Does that dog, tell me that dog doesn't go back to that guy's house. Like, look, I get teaching your dog uh, to bring you a paper or your slippers, maybe even a beer from the fridge. But your dog shouldn't bring you your weed, your cocaine, your gun, anything that's going to basically harm the dog. Uh, the guy said he admitted he was trying to unload his gun when he accidentally shot the dog in the jaw. Oh, turns out his story was a big fat lie. Do you know why it was a lie? Because he's lying. Cause I'm a liar. Whether that's true or not, or if he pointed the weapon at the dog and squeezed the trigger, we don't know. His BAC was 0.17, so that's 
little over twice the legal limit for driving. You shouldn't be drinking and handling firearms is uh, the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah, bottom line that. The guy's a moron. I don't, I don't believe anything that guy says. Uh, finally, uh, Twitter, a self-defense expert, posted a video. It's getting a lot of attention. In it, he gives his uh, top three ways you can avoid being abducted or kidnapped. I thought this was uh, very helpful because it, it's based on the chat. I feel it's possible that either the chat will kidnap someone or maybe someone in the chat will be kidnapped. So this is basically a public service announcement. The first is that you never, ever go to a secondary location with this person. The reason you never go to a secondary location is because the guy wants to take you someplace remote where there are no witnesses and no one will hear you scream. All right. Sounds good. Uh, also, remember, uh, criminals lie. The second thing to remember is that he's lying. Since the beginning of time, every murderer, every kidnapper, every rapist, they've all used the exact same line. Do what I say and you won't get hurt. And then you do exactly what they say and you get very hurt. Thanks, Brad's mom. So far, this guy's not told me anything that would protect me because I'm already two steps ahead of you, buddy. A third piece of advice is to fight back as hard as you can. The third thing to remember is that you should always immediately fight them right on the spot with everything you've got. Think about it this way. If you get in the car or you go somewhere with them, you're dead already. At least now you've got a fighting chance. So you want to hit them, kick them. Look, um, <laughs> let's just all avoid getting kidnapped to begin with. This is kind of like what you do when you meet a bear. Oh, just stand there and don't don't run. I don't want to meet a bear. I don't want to meet a kidnapper either. <laughs> you take that guy's advice if you want. What a great job you have. You get to tell everyone good news. Just restored my faith in humanity. Now, I told you this right out of the gates. I'm not sure I'm going to make through this without crying. I don't know. I'm going to try. Chat, behave yourself. This is important. I'm going to try and make it through this edition of Restore Your Faith in Humanity without crying. But I read it earlier, and I'm not going to lie. It got a little dusty in here. That's all I'm saying. This teacher, in honor of back to school, this teacher in Hutchinson, Kansas, handed out a note to parents, to all her, her kids, and uh, it's been shared on social media. You may have actually seen it because a lot of educators all over the world now are, are using this. Uh, but here's what this little handle with care note says. Uh, Rachel Harder is a fourth grade teacher. And this, this is what she handed out. It's just a little piece of paper, you know, sends it home with the kids. And here's what it says. The title is handle with care. If your family is experiencing difficulty at home, I would like to provide additional supports at school. I understand that you are not always able to share details, and that's okay. If your child is coming to school after a difficult night, morning, or weekend, just text me, handle with care. Nothing else will be said or asked. This will let me know that your child may need extra time, patience, or even help during the day. Simply text me, handle with care. 
She said she came up with the idea after attending a trauma conference a few years ago. She says there was a discussion on how police stations across the country have partnered with schools uh, when they encounter families uh, in the evenings or weekends. They'll then contact the school and just let them know that they have a a student that's in in rough shape so that, you know, everybody knows that, hey, this kid's had a rough night. So she said, I love the idea and I, I wanted to figure out a way to make it work in my classroom. So she just gives the parents that opportunity to text her, handle with care if the kids have had a rough evening or a, a tough, tough morning. She's like, I don't even need to know the details. I just need them to know that I will keep an extra eye on those kids. And then I'll usually follow up. This is what makes a great teacher. I'll usually follow up with those parents and, and let them know how the morning's going. So. I held it together. I held it together. I look over at the text. And th- th- this is what the th- this is what the chat is saying right now. Give me the number, John, because I'll send a dick pic that says handle with care. No. I'm not doing anything else. I'm not encouraging any more of this. We've done enough. Talking. Nope. Are you done? I'm done. Yeah. And it's done. Okay. Done? We made it. I appreciate you spending time with the Pole Position Podcast. You're always welcome to reach out. I love your feedback. Nightside at email.com. On Twitter at John Paul at J-O-N-P-O-L-E. And on Instagram, the Pole Position Podcast. If you enjoy what we're doing, do me a favor. Share it with someone you trust. We're going to take over the world together. I'm John Paul. And I love you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Thank you so much. Thank you very little. Thank you so much. No, I'm here. Here, and peace. I'm out like I stole something. Bye bye. You try and do something nice. Chat gets you every time. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha! In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.